0: go to shopify.com/income now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in okay round 2 name something that's not boring
1: a laundry ooh a book club computer
0: solitaire huh
2: ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Overruling the bylaw. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: And the Oscar goes to. And the Oscar goes and the
2: Oscar to. goes to,
4: and the Oscar goes to... My only
0: object
4: in being here is to try and get at the
5: truth. What shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly,
0: my dear, I don't give a damn. I could have been a contender. Pass in your... State. I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm
4: gonna make him an awful deal. All real, man. Love it is... It is... Too weak a word. back. I know you you I loathe
0: you. Why I love you. I, love. I, I, you
4: love. I did as a if there's something wrong, it's wrong
6: with the instructor. This ain't reality TV. Respect it! and validate Remember that you told me it's time, Robbie.
2: Welcome to the next Best Picture
4: podcast. And the Oscar goes to
6: The Shape of Water.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 117 of the Next Best Picture podcast. I am your host, Matt Neglia, and joining me today on November 18th, 2018, at 11:03 a.m. is Michael Schwartz.
5: Hello, everyone.
2: Dan Baer. Hi, y'all. Katie Schaefer. Hello, hello. And Tom O'Brien.
4: Hey there.
2: All right, so Oscar season is continuing. The month of November is starting to wind down. We are heading into the Thanksgiving holiday weekend, where some movies are hoping to perform better than others at the box office, and we are going to definitely talk a little bit about that uh, from this past weekend. But before we do, let's uh, go around the horn here and let's ask everyone, what did everyone catch up on this week? Uh, let's start off with Michael Schwartz.
5: I saw a lot this week. I was able to catch up with some releases that are going wide or others that you know I just haven't had the time for. So the first thing I saw this week was a uh, Beautiful Boy, which, you know, I wasn't really expecting a lot from based on these reviews. And I can't say <laughs> it's a bad movie. It's just sort of there. I, I don't have any strong feelings for or against. It just sort of was playing, and I was felt like I was watching scene after scene where not a ton was happening. Uh, Chalamet was fine. I don't think he should be nominated for this. Uh, Carell, I think... I you know, could have used a bit of a tune-up, but I'm not going to say it was a bad movie, but just sort of existed, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, no, it's not a bad movie. I mean, I, you know, we reflected this in our review and everything else. It's just, I, I think you just said it best. It, it, it's there. Like, it exists, and if people want to see it, that's fine. But I don't have strong feelings on it one way or
5: another, and I know a lot of people who feel the same way. I would say minor disappointment there. Then I saw Boy Erased, the other boy movie, mm. which <laughs> I thought was very well done. You know, I heard some tepid responses out of Telluride and Toronto. And yes, it is like a very mainstream, you know what you're going to get here, but the performance is really sold it for me. In a way, it almost reminded me of like Ordinary People, one of these character dramas that we used to get in the 80s and 90s with terrific performances from Lucas Hedges, Russell Crowe, and especially Nicole Kidman, who I think is the best she's been since like rabbit hole just in terms of film performances. She's excellent here, so... I hope people go out and see this just for the acting, which is pretty great. So that Friday, I saw Widows on Saturday, which I thought was exceptional. Mm. Absolutely exceptional. It deals with so many issues and topics that reflect 2018. The performances are stellar. It's what mainstream cinema should be. Yeah. You know, here's a movie that's about two hours and 10 minutes long, kept me engaged the entire time. I didn't want to check my watch once, it was just totally engaging start to finish. I could have watched another 20 minutes of it. It was really, really terrific. Look, this could have very easily been an eight-part HBO miniseries. Oh, sure. Without a doubt. But I think in terms of having it as a two-hour and ten-minute film, I think they ended it in the best way they could have. Okay. All right. So I like that. And finally, just very quickly, this morning before we did this podcast, I got around to watching The Ballad of Buster Scruggs on Netflix, (laughs) which I liked. You know, it's not top-tier Coen's. It's not going to rank with like Fargo or Serious Man or any of those great films. But I thought it was good. You know, there were some great segments, some not so great segments. But as a whole, you know, it was very much in their wheelhouse. I enjoyed watching it at home on Netflix where I could pause and take breaks if I wanted to. In a theater, I would probably get a little restless. But this was a good movie. Which segment was your favorite? Uh, The one with Zoe Kazan.
2: Yeah, yeah. I've heard a lot of people saying either that or the Tom Waits one.
5: That was okay. I would say second behind Kazan was uh, the opening with Tim Blake Nelson.
2: Oh, it was such a riot. So funny.
5: Yeah, it's a good movie. I would give it a B plus or on our scale, like a 7 out of 10.
2: Sure, sure. All right, Uh, moving along here. Katie, what about you?
1: So I didn't have a chance to catch up on much, but I did get a chance to see At Eternity's Gate with Willem Dafoe about Vincent Van Gogh. And it is definitely not going to be for everyone. No. Um, You can... You can read my review on the site, um, but I really loved it. For me, it's it might even make my top ten this year, uh, but I love art movies, and this was definitely an art movie.
3: Julian so. Schnabel is back, baby.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> Definitely. And I mean, it's really about the philosophy of art and how it affects the artist and what happens when you dive so deeply into your art that you kind of lose yourself. And
2: not to mention, too, the legacy of, you know, your art surviving past yourself. Um, I-, I-, I loved that exploration uh, a lot, especially in his conversation with Mads Mickelson.
1: Yes. Mads Mickelson is so great in this movie. He gets what, five minutes of screen time? Something Maybe. like that. Yeah. And he's, but you can't even you can't forget that scene. It's no, just not at all. So powerful. So it, like I said, not for everyone. But if you're into art movies and explorations of that stuff, then it's worth watching.
3: Cool. All right, uh, Dan, how about you? Uh, so I saw the front runner which I know is not such a popular film amongst this podcast. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I was kind of surprised by how much I
5: liked it. Ooh, okay. All right. Um, I'm happy to hear that. I'm seeing it this week, so that's encouraging to hear. I That particular chapter of history
3: is so thorny, and I feel like it really dealt with all the issues issues surrounding that. And I know that a lot of people think that or come came away with the idea that this movie was really dragging journalists. And I didn't get that at all at all. No, I thought (laughs) it was pretty even handed and like, like, yes, it did drag journalists, but it also dragged everyone kind of, and more than all of the, you know, actors in the actual situation it was really dragging us you know it was dragging the public because I mean this is what we want this is what we want to see even though we sometimes say we don't and I kind of applaud any film that has the balls to look at the audience and say guess what you're the bad ones
2: yeah, I can't agree with that, but <laughs> that's, that's okay. Yeah.
3: yeah, I know I'm weird.
2: I mean, like it's all, it's all good. It's all good. I, I I think I will have deep, passionate feelings about that movie for quite a while. Like I, I even said on the review, I think it might be ten years or something like that before I could possibly give that movie
3: another watch if I ever do. And, so, and that's what I think will happen. I think it. Be, I think this release date and time was like the exact wrong time for the movie. If this was what it was going to be, um, it, it's not the right time for this movie at all. Yeah. it seems like it would be the perfect time. Um, so I think sort of screwed it over a bit. And then I also yesterday saw, can you ever forgive me? Oh, good. Yes. Oh my God. I, I was not expecting it to be, nearly as funny as it was i was laughing the whole time everyone in the theater was
5: laughing it was really incredible But it also really sneaks up on you with the emotion um yeah i i I, I think it's actually more of a drama but that happens to have funny moments in it See, I disagree. I
3: think it's a comedy that happens to have dramatic moments. It's a dramedy, one way or another. Yeah, it is a dramedy. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, the comedy landed more than the drama did. That said, Melissa McCarthy is just absolutely fantastic. It's perfect casting. Julianne Moore was supposed to play that role. And that would have definitely been more of a
5: drama than this, yeah, totally. um, it it's, would have been that, interesting. At the Globes, thing. we didn't know where they were going to put McCarthy. Now it's looking like she's definitely competing in drama. Yeah, which I have feelings about that, but it's fine.
3: <laughs> I, I, her cat is my favorite. <laughs> Jersey, I think that cat is amazing, and I was really, really, really happy to see Jane Curtain. And when Anna Deavere Smith popped up. Oh, that's a great scene. The, God, that scene is so good. And she is so... She's cool. good in everything. I know. I Yeah. I will watch her in anything. And she was so good in this. And yeah, I, the whole thing... like As a movie, I thought it was just like sort of competently done. But the script is so sharp. And Melissa M- McCarthy and Richard E. Grant are just... At the top of their game, and they have phenomenal chemistry. Yeah, I, I loved it.
2: All right, uh, and last but not least, Tom O'Brien.
4: I saw Green Book this week. Uh oh, here we go. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Fasten your seatbelts. Uh, I was very disappointed in it. It's to me, it seemed more shticky than anything else, and I didn't. I given the premise about the uh, Negro Motorist Green Book, I expected much more of a drama here. Um, but uh, Viggo Mortensen, let's just say he delivers a big performance in it. Yeah. It's the kind of performance where, you know, he's, he, he's playing a goomba. I know, oh, okay, you know, do we have to see him eat an entire pizza? I mean, lifting up the round pizza and shoving it all in his <laughs> mouth once. But, you know, that's one of the few things, ironically, that my audience responded to. They thought this was great. That's what I mean. Like,
2: it's, it's appealing to such an unbelievably wide, 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 wide demographic that on the flip side, something more niche maybe, let's say, like, Can You Ever Forgive Me, where it's comedy and drama is a little bit more sharp. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's like the kind of, mixture the balance so to speak like we just talked about in comedy and drama that we would respond to more yeah it's
4: the it it, it's designed to make an audience feel good about themselves at least we're not like those awful racists down south uh and it's 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 there's kind of a i hate to say this word too but it's a white savior element to it Mm -hmm. you know it totally is tom yeah.
1: <laughs> and there, that makes me, it
4: just felt very uncomfortable watching it, that, uh, you know, Ali gets into these situations with these racists and Viggo has to come in and, you know, knock knock some heads. And it it just gets to be predictable at times. And I just wish, given the premise of the film, they could have gone for something a little bit more than the Farrelly brothers kind of uh, – shoving the pizza down your throat
2: thing. Here's a very interesting thing, though, that um, has fascinated me about Green Book over the last week. The Rotten Tomatoes score for Green Book has gone down now to 83%.
5: But it's still certified fresh.
2: The opening weekend for the movie uh, was not as strong per theater average as some people might have thought. Now, we'll see what happens when it expands wider because I think that's where it is going to do much better. Mm. But I'm seeing a case this year where – Last year, the Toronto Audience Award winner, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, um, like Green Book, had a lot of praise coming out of the festival circuit. People started seeing it, and then there started to become a backlash, where I feel like with this year... Um it's like though as if people have learned from their mistakes last year and the backlash is happening sooner rather than later.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I but think the problem so. remains that they're all closed minded up in Toronto, right?
2: I don't know if it's so much that. I think <laughs> I think I, festival I, kid, I, I think kid. festival hype sometimes, you know, gets gets the better of people is what ends up happening. I mean, you guys know I saw Green Book and I saw it at um one of the film festivals out here in New York. And I walked out of that theater. My initial reaction was, oh, that was so entertaining and so much fun. And I laughed and I felt great walking out. And then like, (laughs) Michael, I think you remember on my drive home, I called you as I was driving. I was like, you know, the more I think about it, that wasn't that great. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, I mean, it's, it is one of those movies where I feel like in the moment it casts a spell over you and for some people it works and maybe for Tom it just didn't work at all and I think that for a lot of people if they give it time to kind of think about it simmer on it there are so many better movies this year dealing with uh, race relations this year than this film does. I mean, Katie, you you pointed that out uh, to things like Black Klansmen. Sorry to bother you. I mean, I know you all haven't seen Beale Street yet, but there there is definitely movies this year that The Hate You Give. Oh yeah, The Hate yeah. You Give. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And in a world where we have all that,
2: didn't mean to steal your thunder, Tom.
4: That's yeah, all right. No, no, no. <laughs> This this podcast about passion, and you definitely have it.
2: Uh, well, with that said, uh, for Green Book this week, uh, like I said, uh, the results came in for that, and we'll see how that continues to do. Another film that we'll continue to keep our eyes on is Widows. Uh, Widows ended up with four point two million dollars on Friday, which was below industry expectations, and it landed with a B Cinema score. B, yeah, yeah.
1: What What's the- that about?
2: So I got to ask a question. Are we just at a point where critics have the ability with something like Green Book, for example, to sway the niche audiences on whether or not to go see those movies? But for some reason, when it just comes to a wider demographic, like it doesn't matter if they're still going to go see the Venoms, they're still going to go see the Crimes of Grindelwald, they're still going to go see Bohemian Rhapsody. Like, what is happening?
5: I think people just want to see what they want to see reviews play to, as we said before, when you were talking about niche audiences, I think that's who they play to or the people on the fence. But a majority of the public out there is not going to wait for AO Scott to tell them to go see something or to stay home.
2: But it's like, so fascinating because that obviously wasn't the way it used to be, you know? And, but I mean, we're going back decades now, obviously (laughs) prior pre pre internet days, but I think it's like official that that is like, We've seen so many examples of this this year in particular that, I mean, I think that people really need to readjust their expectations as to what kind of influence reviews really have now on how well a film performs.
5: I think it's the on the fence thing. Like take me with Mary Poppins, for instance, say that movie gets like the worst reviews of anything this year, which is not going to happen. But let's just say hypothetically, that's what happens. That's not going to prevent me from seeing it, just as it's not going to prevent some Marvel fanboy from skipping a venom you know?
2: Yeah. Mm, But in something like
5: Widows, they see the preview, and they go, oh, this could be interesting. Uh, Let's wait and see what the reviews are. And then they turn out to be good, and that's what could bring people to the theaters. Hopefully that picks up.
2: Well, go see Widows, because it is worth your money. We need more movies like this. Viola Davis, if you love her, needs more movies like this.
5: And it's accessible. I was a little worried that Steve McQueen doing a mainstream movie would turn some people off. But I don't think there's anything in that movie that A mainstream audience member won't be able to understand
2: but maybe maybe that's not true because how do you explain the b cinema score then
5: yeah maybe they were just expecting different tone and it didn't live up to what they had in their mind i don't know but i think this is a movie that you could pretty much walk anyone into and they could follow along it's not so esoteric
2: all right uh so this week i saw creed 2 uh which if you're a fan of the first film Uh, I think you will enjoy this one, even though I admit it's not as good as the first one. Um, And when I say if you're a fan of the first one, I'm referring, of course, to the trio of performances from Michael B. Jordan, Sylvester Stallone, and Tessa Thompson, who are all once again really, really good here. And yeah, I would say see it for them, if anything, especially Michael B. Jordan. I mean, he is just... It's really kind of upsetting that he will not receive any awards recognition for this film, although it could translate over into the black Panther love. We'll have to wait and see how that all plays out. Um, And I saw The Crimes of Grindelwald, and the less I can say about that, I think it's for the better. Um,
5: That is just not in the box office. It's doing pretty well there, but the reviews are just tanking.
2: I mean, it's the low point of the whole franchise for me. It is, and it's no contest. It is the worst. It's such a
5: shame. I love those Harry Potter movies. I like the first Fantastic Beasts just fine. But this just has, like, a stench to it from what I'm reading. Well, and, and I saw I'm something seeing... on Twitter that Professor McGonagall, apparently, who is a character in this movie, I didn't even realize that.
2: It's a glorified
5: cameo. character in this movie, but apparently in the books, the Harry Potter books, wasn't born until 1934, and this takes place in 27, so I don't know how that's happening.
3: I've seen a lot of just like regular people online on facebook and on twitter saying how disappointed they were in it yeah so
5: but it doesn't seem like a movie it just seems like a yeah corporate product
0: yeah and people
3: are going to see the corporate product because they're invested in the story or the characters or the actors or whatever and then no matter how many times they come out and get burned and going that was awful they're still gonna go see it
2: well we do have one franchise that is the fourth film in a series of films and we're going to test that theory here disney pixar released the trailer for toy story 4 uh this past week and while many people felt that toy story 3 closed out the trilogy in the most perfect manner imaginable they are going back to the well with another sequel Is it for money? Is it for good story purposes? Let's discuss. Let's take a look at the teaser for Toy Story 4. Okay, so I want to just know cuz obviously this is a teaser. We don't really get much from this other than the Spork character, which is not <laughs> really that's the one a you played cuz
5: I know there were yeah, two amazing. pieces
2: But like I I want to hear everyone's thoughts on that, but I also want to hear the biggest question of all. Is there a story to tell here? Is this worth it? How do you feel about it? Uh let's go around here. Let's start off with Katie.
1: Oh, I feel so conflicted about this. I, like I'm sure everybody does. I Grew up watching Toy Story movies, you know, and I agree that the third one was a great ending to the series. And now we're kind of—it could be good. I totally believe in Pixar and this cast, and that I, I could be good, but could also be terrible. Could be something where that they, they just are going back for the money, and it's just going to be a ripoff essentially of the previous stories. So I'm hoping for the best, but expecting. Not the worst, but I'm expecting more meh than good, mm-hmm. Tom.
4: I had the same feeling. It's like oh leave me my memories uh, it, it is th- that trilogy is perfection, and uh i'm i I honestly don't know what what direction they have to uh, take in i mean they've they've had a few uh newspaper items to drop during the week oh it was you know Tom Hanks cried at the end of the taping and and all of that kind of thing uh, just to kind of get interest going Um, it'll be interesting to see whether we get a new voice for Mr. Potato Head
2: oh because Uh, it's Don Rickles yeah
4: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and uh, I'm, I'm encouraged by Forky or Sporky or whatever <laughs> uh, because Tony Hale is voicing it and, and I, he's just one of my favorites. But I just I, – I, I share the same feeling as Katie. I'm apprehensive, hopeful but apprehensive.
3: Yeah. Dan? Um, so I am of the firm belief that Toy Story 3 is actually the best of the entire trilogy. Me too. The original trilogy. Yeah. And it came like – Out of, like, I liked Toy Story and I liked Toy Story 2, but by the end of Toy Story 3, I was like blubbering loudly in a theater (laughs) full of children. (laughs) So when they announced that they were doing a fourth, I was very upset, uh, to say the least, because it really is such a wonderful ending. However, Um, And knowing, of course, that this teaser has really absolutely nothing to do with the film, probably, as most Pixar teasers tend to do, Um, but the... This sense of humor in that teaser was all I needed to get me excited about this movie.
2: Let's also uh, comment too there was a second teaser also released featuring the voice (laughs) talents of Key and Peel. Recognizable
5: voices. The second thing came on screen.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, they're doing their whole valet shtick thing. Yeah. Which I thought was. Brilliant.
5: <laughs> it was,
3: it was hysterical. And I'm like, I don't know if they're actually going to be in the movie as these characters, but I'm here for yeah.
5: it. Well, Pixar teasers rarely reflect the movie, right?
3: Yeah. 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 Like I was saying, and, but the, the humor in these two teasers, like it, I was here for it and I was ready for this movie. Now and they did their job. They got me excited about the movie and I think that it will be worth it if, <laughs> um, and it's a big if, because basically all the original three Toy Story movies essentially had the same plot.
2: I mean, they all deal with mortality to a certain yeah, degree.
3: They yeah. all deal with mortality, and they're all like, you know, some one of the toys goes missing or you know, is stolen or gets lost.
2: Or... And they have to go, like, on an adventure as a group to get them back. Yeah, well, yeah, that's yeah, sort of
3: yeah.
5: what this one's about from the plot synopsis that I've read online.
2: Yeah, which – can you clue us in on that? What is the plot synopsis?
5: Oh, what he's looking for, Bo Peep.
2: Yeah, I mean – so I want to just comment a little bit on that, Dan, for a second here because yeah. I, I have a theory. Mm-hmm. And my theory – because I'm trying to think what is something that would make Tom Hanks actually cry um, – this idea of mortality kind of continuing, what is the next logical progression of this story? Yeah. I think we're in for a major time jump when Andy is old.
3: Oh, God, don't even do that to me. Well,
5: <laughs> how old can you do this? Metcalf is
2: going to be in this movie,
3: so... I'm just saying.
2: I think we're in for something that is going to absolutely destroy us because toys themselves don't age, but humans do. do yeah oh god
4: <laughs> <laughs> they're killing me
2: <laughs> that's just that's my theory. i will see how far that goes but i don't know we'll see <laughs> you know in
5: pixar i trust and i think they know how important the toy story franchise is they're going to give this a lot of love and care look i've yet to dislike a pixar movie there've been some that i've loved less than others but i've never been fully disappointed with one of their titles and with this is it totally necessary maybe not will i be there opening night absolutely you know oh, toy, another case of michael story, not
2: listening to the critics no uh,
5: this an <laughs> the first toy story opened when i was two months old jesus christ was <laughs> baby november 95 oh. I was two months before so these movies have really been with me my entire life i've grown up with them The original, I remember seeing Toy Story 2 in theaters very young, which is actually my favorite one. I love Toy Story 2. You know, these are all terrific movies. And I think, yeah, it might be a bit of a cash grab, but I think they're going to find the right story to tell in order to do that cash grab, just like The Incredibles 2.
2: Yeah, I have to say, you know, in terms of Pixar's track record... With the exception of the Cars films, uh, which have never been good.
1: Oh, Cars Two. Okay, Cars Two is awful.
5: It is. Cars Two no is the
0: year
3: of anything
2: Pixar. Cars Three is okay. Cars Three, I would say, is okay. Um, but Cars Two is definitely yes. awful. Uh, and Monsters University is borderline, but it's still pretty yeah. good all around. I, I would say that I think their track record so far for doing uh, sequels is. You know, spotty at best, but at the same time, when the material and the characters are this strong as they are with Toy Story, it does help to give me the confidence that they are going to pull this off.
4: They, they do have the uh, quality of script every single time. It's like they it will not make this until the script is right. Yeah. True. Yeah. Unless we all forget, this exact same conversation
3: was happening when they announced Toy Story three. Yeah, that is true. So <laughs> yeah, and we all know how that turned out.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, but we do. Uh, adapted screenplay nomination, best picture nomination. I mean, billion dollars. Yep. <laughs> so, we'll, so we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But I mean, we definitely are. I would say, on the whole, excited, little hesitant, but excited nonetheless. All right. Speaking of excitement, let's get back to award season this week. Uh, AFI closed out with *Mary Queen of Scots*. Currently sitting at one hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes with sixteen reviews right now. I need to ask everyone what they make of this positive reception to this movie. Is *Mary Queen of Scots* more of a contender than we thought outside of the technical categories?
5: Well, let's take that one hundred with a bit, with a little grain of salt, because the reviews are—they're fine. They're like two and a half, three stars reviews that just happen to be. Fresh and rotten tomatoes. So it's not like these are total raves. So I think if for a more accurate reading, look to Metacritic, where it's sitting at about 70.
2: Okay. All right. That's totally fair. Um, I also do want to say for the record, just in talking about the film's awards chances, it did win its first major prize of the precursor circuit at the Hollywood Music and Media Awards, where Max Richter won for best original score in a feature film. And we did get a release of that score to get a little bit of a preview, so to speak. And... I mean, I know we all had him predicted prior to even all this happening, but I would say at this point, I think he's firmly in for his first nomination.
5: Yeah, yeah. I would think so. And it's such a weak category this year. I can't imagine him missing. Yeah. And I think the techs are where this movie is going to do very well. Costumes, makeup. Yeah, costumes, makeup, production design, things like that. I don't think it'll factor into picture or even acting, but, uh, you know, maybe three to five tech nominations. That could certainly happen.
2: I did like the American Gangster Heat comparisons because uh, the two actresses have one scene together and it is uh, cited by many as the best scene because it's, you know, the build
5: up. It was in the trailer. Yeah. yeah. The whole trailer was like centered around that scene.
2: Mm-hmm. So I, I am excited to see like how the film builds to that scene and then how the impact of that scene kind of resonates with us and then, you know, just how the rest of the story falls into place. I mean, I, you know, we all kind of thought to a certain extent, especially after I think the first trailer dropped that this didn't look all that good. Yeah. But, it's refreshing and nice to see that it is good whether, like how far on the spectrum we'll all be in terms of our ratings for it. I don't know. But, It's a good thing to see that this is not a disaster. And one of my favorite things this week in particular with award season, because there's another film that I'm going to bring up in just a moment, is that the award season is starting to get very crowded. Mm -hmm. And when I'm looking at my predictions, I am just like, holy hell. Like we in some cases have more than 10 contenders vying for some of these nominations and it is hard to figure out where everyone is going to fall into place
3: it's really exciting yeah
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah it'll be a good watch this year
2: so i want to then use that to transfer over then to another film that screened uh yesterday reactions mm-hmm. drop but reviews have not dropped uh, officially just yet uh on rotten tomatoes and that is adam mckay's film vice starring christian bale amy adams and a few others Kind of like how we all had the self-fulfilling prophecy with Green Book, we all said that the film was going to do well, and then when it released, the backlash was going to start. With Vice, we all had it predicted, we all had a feeling it was going to do well, and sure enough, it drops, and the reactions are pretty much all what we expected. Christian Bale is transformative, Amy Adams is commanding. And the film is certainly a contender for categories that The Big Short was in a few years ago.
5: Yet at the same time, still a little hesitant about some of them. Well, did you know what
2: was very interesting to me? I read one uh, piece on Amy Adams playing uh, Lynn Cheney, where she talked about how she like admired Lynn Cheney. And what she was able to accomplish. And I started like looking at that and I, and I heard a voice in my head that just said, and I think it was your voice, Michael, but I could I could be wrong. This is this idea of we're, we're going to glorify these people to sell our awards campaign. And the question of how the American public is going to respond to that is still a question mark to me.
5: Look, I cannot wait to see Vice. This seems right up my alley. Political satire from Adam McKay with this great cast. You know, I cannot wait to see it. And the trailer is this, great. Yeah, great trailer. Everything about it looks terrific. That said, I just have this feeling that these Academy members in this time that we're in right now are going to feel a little uncomfortable rewarding the Dick Cheney movie, even if it's all against him. You know, I, I just feel like they're going to look at that and go, is this really what we want to reward in the Trump era?
2: Well, I mean, it, like I said, it kind of goes back to things that we've all said before, which is... I, I could totally see a world where this gets nominations, but I could see this being the I could see this being the shutout uh, on Oscar nomination where it doesn't walk away with a single win. Yeah, oh, I could totally see that happening. I could also see a world where Christian Bale bests Cooper because um, Christian Bale to me is the kind of actor that makes sense, like mm-hmm. Denzel Washington uh, for Training Day, like Kate Blanchett wins the supporting a few years later comes out with a performance that's just undeniable, and wins the yeah. lead.
5: He's due to win a lead Oscar one of these years. Yeah. And it could be this one. You know, maybe I'm wrong and they want to give it to him for this. But when you look at these best actor winners in years to come, you're going to go from 2017 to 2018. You're going to go from Winston Churchill to Dick Cheney.
2: Well, that's the thing I was trying to figure out. Like, are they really going to do the makeup transformative you know, performance two
5: years in a row. That's that's the only thing I'm like, mm. And he may be totally deserving of it. We'll see. Yeah. I just want to wait and see how this plays. Look, I think there's a world where this movie really does well, or it could just be acting and miss like picture.
2: Sure. I mean, I, I think that we all have it in for makeup. That seems very secure. The screenplay. screenplay is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the real thing now that I'm really excited about is... We have a really, really, really exciting, strong narrative for Amy Adams and Regina King and supporting actress. Yeah. Oh boy. (laughs) This is this is I'm torn. I'm I I I mean, and I've seen Regina King in Buell Street, but I haven't seen Amy Adams in Vice, and I I don't know. I, I just because if Amy Adams gets nominated, that will be six nominations without a win if she doesn't win for this.
5: I think this will push it toward her work next year in The Woman in the Window. I think this is going to just help that campaign early on. Whereas Regina King, and again, I haven't seen Beale Street yet, but I think it looks like the type of performance that people are going to respond to from a performer who seems to have a lot of love not just on the film side, but the television side and all throughout the industry. So it's like that old veterans here, but one of the veterans we know is going to be back very soon, We're Regina King, who knows when she'll be back at the Oscars. Man,
3: I think it's going to come down to, you know, when it's always those tough moments like that, I think it comes down to how the performance makes you feel. Yeah. And I I don't know because I have not seen either of these performances yet, but from what I hear, Regina King in Beale Street is a character you really love.
2: Yeah. No, you do. Absolutely.
3: And that's going to make people feel all warm and fuzzy and it's going to make people vote. Unlike Lynn Cheney. Yes, to say the least.
4: Yeah. <laughs> well, depending on how Adams, how much humanity Adams brings to Lynn Cheney. And I honestly don't know whether this can be a hard edge performance or something that tries to humanize her a bit.
2: The thing that Ryan C. Showers brought up to all of us in a group chat that is resonating very strongly with me is that. Amy Adams is going to have a chance at Golden Globe and SAG, regardless of whether or not she wins for Vice, to win for Sharp Objects. Get up there, give a speech, and voters will be reminded of how much they love her, how she's overdue. And I think this could just be a case of – and I don't know because I haven't seen the performance. But this could just be a case of narrative winning out over, you know, performance at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So – I don't know. There's a race. Yeah. No, it, it's a it's a very, very firm race. And that, that I think, is going to make this extremely exciting as we move on. So speaking of moving on, we talked about the Hollywood Music and Media Awards this week. Uh, a couple of other uh, things I just want to point out about uh, those awards. Uh, Black Panther won for original score in sci-fi fantasy horror film. That could
5: get into Oscar. Yes. Black Panther score.
2: 100% it could. Yeah. Hmm. Original score, animated film, went to Alexandre Desplat for Isle of Dogs. And I could get in too. Shallow, no surprise, won original song in a feature film from A Star is Born, the first of many, I'm sure, of this award season. Definitely. Uh, Whatever some other things that happened? Black Panther won for soundtrack over A Star is Born, uh, which I thought was very interesting. But A Star is Born did win for outstanding music supervision in film. So, I mean, they found a way to reward... Um, a few different types of films here. I mean, we saw wins also for "I'll Fight," uh, which won a r- original song a documentary from R B G.
5: Yeah, that's probably a lock to get in for the Oscar mm. for song. You know, Diane Warren does not pass around.
2: Yeah, no, no I, I, w- <laughs> I bet against her at your own will, people. <laughs> <laughs> And then moving on from that, before we get to uh, the, I know the awards that we all want to talk about, that's the Spirit Awards. I want to just quickly point out that the British Independent Film Awards handed out their crafts winners this week. Um, The actual full awards for the main categories will be announced on December 2nd, but to give you a little bit of a preview of how we think this is all probably going to go, The Favorite ended up taking five wins for production design, makeup and hair design, costume design, cinematography, and casting, wow. all of which I can't argue against at all. And what were some other wins here? Uh, American Animals oh, one Best Film Editing. That's... <laughs> that's my favorite editing of the year so yes i'm just like thank you lord jesus (laughs) uh lynn ramsey's uh, film you were never really here one for music for johnny greenwood and also for best sound uh early man one for visual effects and uh that was pretty much the gist of it i would say from there but it's pretty clear it looks like the favorite is going to clean house at the bithas on december 2nd now One awards body group that the favorite was absent from because it is a uh, British uh, production, uh, so as a result of which it ended up in the foreign uh, film category here, is the Film Independent Spirit Awards, which nominees came out on Friday. Winners are going to be announced, as they always are, the day before the Oscars, in this case February 23rd, 2019. I want to devote a large chunk of the podcast to talk about this, what they mean, how do they compare against the Gothams, what performed well, what didn't perform well, what are some films you feel like you need to catch up on as a result of these nominations? Let's start it off with Tom O'Brien.
4: Oh, my takeaway, and just it's just because I love this film is the first perform is back in the conversation. Yes. Oh, yeah.
2: After performing well at Gotham's and now here, getting feature, director, screenplay, Ethan Hawke. I mean, as I'm looking at uh, the best male lead category, I think Ethan Hawke stands the best chance to win there, actually, which helps to further along the conversation that I think he's getting
3: the fifth slot in best actor this year. He can. He, yeah. he definitely, He definitely can. I believe in Hawk.
2: But one thing I just want to point out in regards to that, because from a grain of salt standpoint, is this. The Spirit Awards this year went very, very indie with their nominations.
5: They put the indie in Indie Spirit this year. I mean, a mm-hmm. lot of stuff wasn't Thank eligible. Yeah. You know,
2: Green Book Happy wasn't My eligible. Man. Vice wasn't eligible. Obviously, something like Black Panther is not eligible. <laughs> so, I mean, what you, got, what you saw here... I mean, I could probably pull the room right now, but I won't. But I imagine there are a lot of films here that some of us have not caught up on yet.
5: Yeah. Yep. But at the same time, I think they dropped the ball a little bit with ignoring some of the better independent films. And like movies like Private Life and Can You Forgive Me did get in in a few categories, but I don't think they did nearly as well as they should have.
2: Well, Private Life, I will admit, was missing Catherine Hahn, uh, Paul Giamatti, and it didn't get picture. But I mean, that Tamara Jenkins got in for director, got in for screenplay, mm-hmm. you know, so
5: it showed up. I think Black Klansman should have done a lot better here. I think that that was the
2: one glaring omission uh, for sure. A sole nomination for Adam Driver and no mentions for screenplay, John David Washington,
3: Although I do kind of love that John David Washington is nominated in the same category as Adam Driver, just for another movie.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that that was definitely, I would say, the film that I think suffered the most. Uh, The second film, I would say, that suffered the most in terms of, you know, some form of Oscar momentum. Once again... Melissa McCarthy did not show up in Best Female Lead here for Can You Ever Forgive Me? She missed out on the Gothams and now here as well. But her co-star, Richard E. Grant, has showed up in both places.
5: Yeah, I'm not going to read so much into that because we have seen performances that Miss and then come back once the guilds start to announce all all the awards bodies. So I'm not so concerned by that. I just think it's their loss not to have her nominated.
2: But does it like maybe... Show us, okay, I talked about this a little bit before the nominations were announced. I talked about early signs, so to speak, and how with last year, Three Billboards didn't get in for picture or director nominations last year. And I think a lot of people made excuses, wrote it off. I'm sure I was probably one of them, if I recall. And that should have been looked at as an early sign for that film's potential. Like, it should have easily have gotten in, because it got McDormand, uh, Rockwell, Screenplay.
5: Maybe it was just poorly directed. (laughs)
2: Maybe. <laughs> oh. It did miss out on a Best Director nomination at the Oscars, so maybe there is something to be said
5: there. So when you look mm. in the female lead category here at the Indie Spirits, you know, Glenn Close and wife is the only one I can see transitioning over to Oscars.
2: I'm sorry, her name is Toni Collette, Michael. And yeah. Jill,
5: I, oh, I, yeah. Um, yeah. Now you love wherever for
0: that.
2: I'm sorry, but she showed up crazy. at both Gotham and Film Independent Spirit Awards, and we know she's going to show up at the Critics Awards here and there, so come on, man.
3: yeah she have a nice geez. time at the Alaska dinner. Tony well, Collette is definitely in play. It she may not be one of the leading contenders, but she is in play. She has a good narrative getting in for that movie. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. So many she could present
5: on the Oscars.
4: Yeah. Go ahead, Tom. Uh, so many, so many narratives between Close and and uh, Adams and King, and it's like, oh, it's like, can we just look at the performances? I know it's <laughs> it's, it's it's
2: tough this year. It's really tough. Um, in terms of uh, films that people were happy to see pop up anywhere, is there anything that you saw in any of the categories that you were just like, yes, I'm so glad they didn't forget that?
1: <laughs> I'm really excited that Nancy got a, got the nod. That was And Mandy. Both of those were.
2: Yeah. Nancy and Mandy.
1: I know you didn't like Nancy, Matt, but No, I did I not. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Another slow-moving film that's very introspective. Um, but I was really glad that she got a nomination for this, uh, J-, J. Smith Cameron. And I was also... So happy that Mandy got any recognition. probably won't get it anywhere else. But <laughs> I really enjoyed the cinematography in that film. So I thought it was cool to see them get a little outside the the typical, you know, 10, 15 films that we all know are really the front runners here.
2: Yeah, there were some inspiring uh, choices, uh, especially in some of the craft categories as well. Mid 90s showing up in editing, Suspiria showing up in cinematography. Um, I'm yes. really, really, really shocked, like super shocked that the film that led in nominations was We the Animals, and it didn't even land in the best feature uh, category, which... I mean, it got into best first feature, uh, but still, I was very shocked that that was the film that when I looked at everything, I was like, wow, Weedy Animals has the most nominations.
3: Yeah, I've heard so many good things about that. And I was really happy for it to have done well. And I was really sad that I missed it when it was in theaters. Um, But it's definitely even higher on my list now.
2: Oh yeah. No, mm-hmm. it's it's phenomenal. I've been praising that film since Sundance and it's one of my one of my favorites this year. Oh, speaking of uh, shouting somebody out, Josh Hamilton getting in for eighth grade, everybody. Oh, yes. Yes.
1: Yes. yes. And John Cho for searching. Right. <laughs> yes. That made me that so was happy. So great.
2: Yeah. DeV Diggs showing up for blind spotting too. Yes. Oh
1: and that was a decent
4: movie. She- I'm glad he got some love. Yeah, and I'm really happy to see Regina Hall pop up again.
2: Oh, for support the girls. She's so great in that. Oh, my Lord. You know, this is like the thing, and I hate to say this sometimes, but there are certain uh, films that are too small that either aren't going to get an awards campaign or. A push, whatever it might be, and this might be as far as they go this season. Now, I I can't say exactly like if that is true for everything because we don't know what the critics groups are going to do in the end, you know. But when I look at films like Madeline's Madeline, mm. which is very, very, very art very, very niche. Uh, you know, it's very, very, very nice to see those films get some form of recognition here because screeners go out to the voting bodies and people will have a chance to actually then discover these performances, these films and filmmakers. And hopefully if they missed it earlier on in the year, they get that chance then to watch them later on and still have them be a part of the conversation. That's, That's always the nice heartwarming thing about these awards that I love the most. Um, now, looking at everything here, if we were to just go through really quick, because these are these are voted on by uh, the public, uh, those who are members who subscribe to uh, Film Independent. So, if we're looking at like say best international film, Burning the favorite, Happy as Lazaro, Roma, Shoplifters. What are you guys going with there between the favorite and Roma?
5: I think Roma.
2: Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah,
5: um,
3: The favorite I, all day long. I think the favorite. Really? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, if it... Did burn it uh, sorry. Bleh, um, voting is happening now, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so it leaves... I think that people who are able, who had the opportunity to see Roma in a theater might vote for it. But most of those people might not have seen it in a the theater and which of these is going to play better on screener.
2: I, I think, uh, personally, I, I, I think the favorite plays better screener and yeah. also in the theater because Roma is Roma is not going to play well on screener. I hate to say it. It really isn't. And that's how majority of people are going to see this movie is mm-hmm. through screener or on their Netflix account. And yeah, as amazing of a movie as it is, like, it's the it's the one film this year I feel so confident in saying is a masterpiece that we'll be talking about seventy five years from now if the earth is still around. Um, mm-hmm. I, I still have a hard time seeing a very large, wide, diverse group of people all kind of coming around that movie. Like I, it's 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 pretty tough. We'll we'll see though. Uh, documentary? Won't you be my neighbor? No contest, right? Pretty much. Uh,
3: um, I, I, yeah, I mean, so. it's the it's the biggest of the nominees. I hope
5: it's not anything else because that's just such a wonderful movie. No offense to these other titles.
3: I don't know, guys. Minding the
5: gap has kind of been cleaning up in documentary awards. They're when you open it up to the whole public voting branch, then you know. Well, yeah, it's true.
2: Yeah, you kind of got to view this as almost like the popular vote, but among cinephiles. Yeah, you know what? Whatever that means.
3: <laughs> I'm also like I. I feel like this is a story that not a lot of people are talking about that RBG has not done well with the documentary awards.
5: But it is doing well with the song. It is doing well with the song. I don't think like it's going to get in for documentary at the Oscars. I think it was more of a commercial play that inspired, you know, uh, wide audiences, but it's not really a film that documentarians respond to.
4: But I'm I'm, res- I'm surprised that the a lack of uh, love for uh, three identical strangers. Yeah,
2: me too. Yeah. Well... All right, so moving on, best supporting male. I think it's pretty clear Richard E. Grant will win that for Can You Ever Forgive Me?
4: Probably. I hope he wins.
2: Uh, Best supporting female. Uh, Looking at this here, to me, this is Regina King for If Beale Street Could Talk All The Way.
3: Unless it's Thomas and Harcourt McKenzie, the category fraud.
2: It's so egregious. (laughs) It's so bad. It's amazing that she could get in, too, but uh, Ben Foster uh, did not manage to get a nomination, although... There is some really good competition there in Best Male Lead. And looking at that competition, I said before, I think Ethan Hawk could win for First Reformed. But look out for Joaquin Phoenix, and you were never really here. Mm-hmm. Um, between those two, I would say it's probably Ethan Hawk.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I yeah. hope
2: so. Okay, then if we look at Best Female Lead, I mean, it's either Close or Collette. And my gut says it's going to be Close.
5: A close race. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> you didn't. <laughs>
2: he did so uh what do, what do you all think i think well, it's
3: probably close i i just want to point out like this is one of those categories of the indie spirit where nothing the academy can nominate will be better than this lineup
5: oh uh, I, I agree with well, you who you are, I would have, this I is would so have a, more
3: exciting and interesting than anything the Oscars will come up with, unless it is exactly this lineup, but with Olivia Colman.
2: I've seen all the <laughs> films nominated here, and <laughs> I congr- I have audience, to concur. Man. Well, it, uh, consider the fact that Michael, how many of these have you seen of the six?
5: One, two. Three. I've seen three, and I'll be seeing two more. I'm not seeing Madeline's Madeline. That is not happening. <laughs> <laughs> all right,
2: uh, John Cassavetti's award. Um, I think it's going to go to Thunder Road. That yeah that film has been doing really well it has a huge online presence a yeah. lot of support for Jim Cummings I could very easily see that happening although I would say look out for a bread factory which
5: if they I have time that movie's four hours long
2: right but it did very very well here in the nominations Um, so it might encourage a lot of people to pop that in and see what it's all about but like you said yeah if they can sit through it uh, editing I think it's going to American animals cinematography Call me crazy. I think Mandy's gonna win cinematography.
1: I hope, hope so. <laughs> I'm gonna stand for that movie all year.
2: First screenplay, I think, easily goes to eighth grade. Yeah.
1: That
4: is the screenplay.
3: Yeah, I really hope so. And I just wanna um call out Blame in this category. Oh, yeah. I don't think a lot of people have seen it and it's so good.
2: That was the first movie I saw in 2018. Yeah. I saw it at the first week of January, and that is it's such so an inspired good.
3: nomination. Oh, absolutely fantastic fantastic. and i
1: hope more people see it
2: best first feature uh, i think it could be hereditary but i have a feeling it might be sorry to bother you
1: i think it'll be sorry to bother you that movie's took a lot of chances and this seems like the kind of voting body that's going to reward that
3: this isn't like this is probably my favorite lineup of like best picture nominees that we'll ever see this year (laughs) 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 I mean, it's got everything in this category, and yeah, screenplay.
2: The Colette mention is so weird to me. Just throwing it out there.
5: It's, I think that may have been a bit of a tribute to uh, Richard Classic. Richard, Richard yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Uh, but between those films, there, I think this is where they give something to Paul Schrader. Yeah. Absolutely, and First
1: Reformed. Yeah. yeah,
5: yeah. Although I would love to see Nicole Holofcener and Jeff Woody take it.
2: Oh yeah, no, I would too. Don't get me yeah. wrong, I really would. Uh, for sure. Paul Schrader has, uh,
5: two. he's up for director. The movie's up for picture or feature and actor. Paul Schrader will probably get the Oscar nomination. So, yeah. And I think he wants the Oscar nomination. You could see him doing the interviews and he's not this super excited guy, but, you know, you could tell he wants to be in the conversation.
4: And and I think if the Indies have a, a an opportunity to reward someone who the Oscars have ignored, and it, that's a little feather in their cap if they get uh, yeah.
2: uh Looking at Best Director, a very diverse and exciting lineup here. Uh, this was this was by, by far for me one of the most exciting uh, categories. Uh, between Deborah Granik, Barry Jenkins, Tamara Jenkins, Lynn Ramsey, and Paul Schrader, I think this is where Barry Jenkins uh, takes something for If Beale Street Could Talk. Again. Yeah. Well, right? Because he sweeped up with uh, Moonlight a few years ago. Uh, yeah. This. <laughs> yep.
5: Now, I'm a little confused. Speaking of uh, Barry Jenkins and Moonlight, uh, I forgot to mention this when we were doing cinematography. Suspiria is nominated in cinematography. Yes. But it, it was also Fuck selected yes. as the Robert Altman Award winner. And I thought yes. if you won the Robert Altman Award, you couldn't compete in other categories.
2: I think it was if you won the Robert Altman Award, you could not be nominated for acting.
3: Yeah. Okay, I, that makes sense. How How many of you guys have seen Suspiria? I have. I have. I because how do you feel about this? Because I'm sort of... Re- I, I love it. It's my favorite movie of the year so far. But I'm having trouble <laughs> reconciling it, winning the Robert Altman Award. You
5: know what they probably should have done? They probably should have taken out Adam Driver's Black Klansman nomination and done it for that ensemble. That would have been... Yeah, that would have made it a little bit more
2: sense, I think. I think that would have made more sense. And then all you have to do is put Tilda Swinton in Supporting Actress, to be honest. Yeah, I...
3: I yeah. It's it's interesting because, like, it honors the director and the casting director as well as the ensemble cast. And I mean, like, I guess the casting director did a really great job picking people who have interesting looks um, for the ensemble. But the ensemble outside of, I mean, I guess Mia Goth don't really have a lot to do.
2: Once again, I think it's an inspired choice. But at the same time, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. Yeah. Uh, best feature if Beale Street could talk
5: yeah looks like it I think so Yeah, they usually go with the one that crosses over with Oscar right and I can't see any of these other titles getting in for best picture Uh, you know first reformed I want to go back to that one more time because I said uh, that I think could get screenplay nomination at Oscar possibly Ethan Hawke but what about a surprise like Paul Schrader showing up in best director at the Oscars
4: I so think you know that's something that, that branch would do. Yeah. it's it's it, That would probably need some critical group traction. Yeah. That's going to be tough.
3: Director is so crowded this year, and they're definitely nominating him for original screenplay. I I don't think it's going to yeah. happen. But I think as with much the as separation
5: like it, of the branches, it's not like they both say, okay, we'll give it to him in screenplay. You have these directors putting in one category, and then the writers in another category. But
3: you still have the directors going, you know, like, he's probably going to get A screenplay nomination. We do we really need to nominate him here or
5: can we spread the wealth? We'll see, just something to keep in mind.
6: Hello everyone, this is JD from the In Session Film Podcast. Each week we review the latest from Hollywood, California. Well, yes, Brendan. We also give top three lists. Okay, yeah. Thanks again, Brendan. Additionally, you can hear us talk other movie news, trailers, varying movie series, or other interesting film-related topics, and even rants and raves of the week. That's correct, Brendan. On top of our main show, every Friday... You can also hear our extra film podcasts. Good job, Brendan. Thank you, JD. It's my goal to make you proud. You're the father after all. <laughs> yes, and I'm very proud. Uh, you can listen to the In Session Film podcast on... iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or at InSessionFilm.com. Brendan, will you please let me complete just one... Nope. Oh, for heaven's sake. Listen to the In Session Film Podcast every Monday and Friday. Subscribe today and hear me verbally beat JD like a Cherokee drum. No, 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 no. That's not how this works, sir. Hey, you you go cry at Midnight Special again, okay? okay. That's what you're good for. I will. You know what? And I'll do it while pummeling you. I'll do both at the same time. How are you going to pummel me? Yeah, I don't don't buy that. That's just how it
2: works. All right, moving on now to the polls here. Uh, Last week's poll for Widows, we asked everyone which is their favorite Viola Davis performance. Uh, The... Votes were pretty much rallied around a a few here. um, And it was, I don't want to say it was close because I think we all pretty much figured it out that fences would win this poll here. Um, It did with 62 votes. In second place was The Help with 38 votes. Third place was Doubt with 26 votes. Fourth place, Widows with 12 votes. And in fifth place, dropping down to five votes was Prisoners, which uh, she only has a few scenes in that movie. But I mean, when you cast Viola Davis in your movie, you know, what you're going to get is some quality, you know, so Mm -hmm. she can make an impact pretty much anywhere. Looking over now, though, at this week, we turned our eyes towards uh, Creed 2 and we're asking everyone which is their favorite boxing movie. Michael Schwartz's favorite genre. No, <laughs>
5: you'd, be surprised. you'd be surprised
2: I, I probably no would be I, I'm, I'm <laughs> totally totally being facetious there but yeah no so yeah I mean like for you Michael I mean do you have a favorite boxing film
5: well it's funny I, I love Million Dollar Baby but I would be chased out of town if I didn't go with the iconic film of the city which of course is Rocky <laughs> you know how could I every time I see the RPCM I run up the steps I pronounce Water, Wooder. I ordered my cheesecakes whiz wit. You know, I'm the <laughs> definition of Philadelphia here, so I don't see how I could pick anything but that definitive movie. Yeah. What about
2: you, Dan? Uh, favorite boxing film?
3: It's not a genre that I tend to seek out, <laughs> um, but and but looking at the movies that we have on this list. Um, I got to go with girl fight.
1: Yeah. Michelle Rodriguez, Rodriguez man.
3: Rodriguez is yeah. so phenomenal in that. And I was so glad to see her be so good again in Widows. Ugh. Yeah, it's nice
2: to see her kind of breaking out of the Fast and the Furious franchise and doing some different stuff for a change because I feel like that's, I feel like that's honestly what her like entire career over the last couple of years has just been composed of. And I don't really remember her being in
3: much else, maybe outside of Avatar. She tends to take on these like stock badass action character roles that don't really have a lot of character underneath it. And we know she can do the character work. Right, exactly. But she doesn't get the chance.
2: Well, for those who are unfamiliar with what she can do, uh, I highly recommend they check out Girl Fight as well then.
5: And she was great in Widows. Yeah, oh yeah, my she god! Is. Wait, yeah. The,
3: ugh, I the whole cast is great in Widows. <laughs> They're all great, and they each have at least one scene where they really get to show their stuff. I mean, that scene with the widower is ah.
2: I mean, you know, at this point, just put Cynthia Erivo in a boxing film; she looks like she could kick everyone's ass. Yes.
4: <laughs>
2: uh, Tom, what about you? Favorite boxing film?
4: Um, I, I know. Every, you know, critics will say Raging Bull. Um, I have a soft spot for an older movie called Champion with Kirk Douglas. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, from 1949. I want to apologize. That is not on the list. Well, no, no, no. I just I just wanted to mention the soft spot. Um, uh, I would say Creed. Yeah. It's so good.
2: Yeah, it's better than I think a lot of people might have given it credit for, um, especially like in hindsight, watching it now, and especially after I saw Creed two, uh, it made me appreciate Creed one uh, much much more and how how well that screenplay was constructed and paying a homage to the past, but also building a legacy for the future and the creative direction by Ryan Coogler, the performances, yeah, no, that's a, that's a really really phenomenal film, uh, Katie.
1: Um I I was really torn when I voted on this one cuz I also loved Girl Fight. I it's I think it might have been the first boxing movie I ever saw. Um but it's Rocky. I love Rocky a lot and I've seen all of them including up to Creed and I'm excited to see Creed 2 next week. So but I got to I got to go with the classic original Rocky. You
5: know, Philadelphia has a statue of Rocky sitting in front of the Art Museum or standing in front of the Art Museum. I don't know of any other city that has the statue of a fictional character. That's like the city's giant landmark.
0: Hmm.
1: Did Detroit turn down the RoboCop statue? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: looking at the list here, it's interesting because I saw Rocky later in life. I didn't grow up with Rocky. I saw all the films uh, much, much later. And uh, I, I just included the first Rocky on here. I know a lot of people are shouting out Rocky Four uh, to me. Uh, and that's getting a couple of write-ins as well at this time. Uh, but I, I just, you know, to keep it simple, like just put in the first Rocky film. Uh, but for me, it is raging bull. I saw that, uh, when I was in college, it made a huge, huge impact on me when I saw it. And, um, I still have not forgotten some of the filmmaking techniques that were utilized in that. That was one of the, uh, earlier films that I saw where I kind of, it, kind of like widows where, you know, direction elevates a genre um that was like a kind of movie where i saw such innovative direction the likes of which i felt like i'd never seen before and it transformed that movie from more than just a boxing film into such a a unique and amazing character study with uh what i still consider to be the best male performance ever given on screen by robert de niro in that movie so uh that, that has to take my vote And so, what's going to take your vote? Head on over to the polls at NextBestPicture.com, cast a vote, let us know what you think. And now, uh, before we go, our final piece of business. We got a trailer this week with Julianne Moore from A24, a film that premiered over at the Toronto Film Festival earlier this year. We have a review up for it on the site right now from Beatrice. It is called Gloria Bell. Let's take a look.
1: Hi, Peter.
6: I haven't heard from you in a while, so I thought I'd give you a call.
1: Um, that's it. I love you. It's your mother.
6: life just goes by in a flash, like
1: that. I know.
4: You tell me the same thing every 10 years.
1: You
3: come here a lot?
1: Yes. No, not a lot. I mean, sometimes. What's your name? Gloria. And
4: I
6: don't know if I'm being fooled. Hello? I don't
1: know if I'm Are you asking me out?
6: Out, out. You want more off the sides? Uh, a little bit more than that, actually. Yeah, I Love is in the air. <laughs> a little more, a little more.
4: <laughs> if you were water, I'd be a
1: glass. If you were a foot, I'd oh. be a sock. <laughs> 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 I can't get you out of my head happened to me with you, I thought it was never gonna happen again. Happy birthday, sweetheart. It's my ex-husband. Then you No, no, we're now. In love. no, <laughs> no. It
6: wasn't an easy situation. Really? I searched for your eyes. I didn't exist.
0: Who is this guy, Mom?
6: I love you, you understand? Get away from the car! Wait. Gloria!
1: One, two, three! <laughs> Better. he calls me every five minutes don't pick it up i won't I they got
0: is that him yeah oh my god i think this guy could die tomorrow we could all die tomorrow well when the world blows up i hope i go down dancing
5: so who here has seen the original gloria with paulina garcia
2: uh, I, I have not. I, I have to admit, Another Sebastian uh, Lio, I, I'm I'm very new to his films. I've only seen A Fantastic Woman and uh,
4: Disobedience. I'm raising my hand, Michael. Okay, <laughs> so three of us. Uh, it's terrific.
5: You know, Paulina Garcia's performance there is really, really great. I wish she had factored into the Oscar conversation that year. Oh, she's so good. She's fantastic. And this looks like, you know, almost a, not scene for scene, but very, very close to what that film was. But it looks great, nonetheless. Yeah, it it looks. I think it's important. Like, this
3: looks like an American version of that story. Which, if you're going to remake a foreign film, that's the way to do it. Um, it looks a lot funnier than I remember uh, the original being. Um, and Julianne Moore looks absolutely fantastic.
2: She looks so perfectly cast. And I have to say too, I wholeheartedly support the decision to move this to next year. I know that there was some question of whether or not this would release late to qualify for this year's Oscar. But I do think that maybe like First Reformed, I think this is an A24 title that could be possibly remembered by the time
5: we get to next year's Oscars. Maybe she'll get like... If not the Oscar, there may be a Golden Globe for musical comedy.
2: Yeah, something. I mean, yeah. also, too, let's not also discount the fact that we also have some other names in this movie, too. We have Sean Astin. We got Michael Cera, John Turturro,
5: Rita Wilson. John Turturro also looks so good. Yeah. yeah. Brad Garrett, yeah. who I love seeing in big movies. You know, he was terrific mm-hmm. when Everybody Loves Raymond all those years. Yeah. So, uh, I mean,
2: another thing, too, I you know, just looking at this trailer a little bit more closely, um, John Turturro is somebody who... Uh, he's somebody who, I, I, if I remember correctly, doesn't have a nomination to his name. He does not.
5: He needs like a J.K. Simmons and Whiplash type role. So not that character. I mean, but like a big.
0: A yeah, a big, big role. Meaty I mean, supporting performance. That
5: yeah. comes from like Sundance or something like that. And he could just ride a wave.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So uh, just to be clear, we don't think that this, uh, you know, could be based on what we see in the trailer. We don't think that this could be that.
3: No. Okay. No, unfortunately. Okay.
2: Well, that's fair. I mean, what do we know? We know it's 102 minutes long. We know that it's sitting on Rotten Tomatoes right now with 100% rating. Uh, We know that the reviews are very, very strong. We know that everybody has given support to uh, Julianne Moore. She's been uh, singled out a couple of times in a, a lot of the reviews with praising results. I think the visual style of the movie looks absolutely gorgeous. I thought the trailer was really, really well constructed as well. And... It it surprised me. I I was actually surprised by the tone that the trailer took. I was expecting it maybe a little bit more art house indie type. I wasn't expecting it to be a, as more broadly accessible as the trailer made it look. Yep.
1: It yeah, feels like it's the perfect vehicle for Julianne Moore, honestly. Yeah. Like yeah, just,
4: agreed. Like it, it's
1: it, made for her almost.
4: Yeah, it is remarkable though. I, I this morning I I took a look at I watched them side by side. The, the the Chilean one and, and now this one it's amazing how many scenes are completely replicated even
3: down at the same place. Yeah. I I the first thing I thought of when I saw the trailer was, oh my God, that's the exact same ending shot. <laughs> oh wow. Okay.
0: Now,
4: it's fascinating to watch together. I highly recommend people to take it. And and by seeing it you'll see the differences and how exciting funny. having Julianne Moore in this is. Yeah. So we'll
2: we'll yeah. definitely have to find a way to uh, put this up for a nomination for a throwback review or something like that, uh, because um, I think that this would be a lot of fun to uh, visit this film. And it's also a film that not many people have seen, including uh, myself. So I, I, would, I would love to check out this uh, 2013 film.
5: It's a good movie. It, yeah, it is a good movie. Cool. And you see how the, having the same director, you know, you copies some of the same shots, whereas I saw the trailer for The Upside the other day, the American remake of uh, (laughs) The Untouchables, which I think looks really entertaining. But it's a different setting, different character names, a little bit of a different background. So it's not like you're doing that one shot for shot.
2: Yeah. Any other final thoughts on the trailer? Okay. Any final thoughts before we go today?
1: Go see Widows. Yeah. See Widows. Please. And I, I
2: will echo See Widows and happy Thanksgiving for everyone. Um, I hope you all enjoy the time with your families, not just uh, to you all here, the MVP team, but to you, dear listeners, as well. Uh, a couple of other housekeeping items, just really quickly. Governor's Awards are being held tonight. Uh, we also have uh, coming up this week, the PGA Documentary Awards on Tuesday, and because the Thanksgiving holiday is on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday uh, look pretty you know, slow, but uh, we will have the Gotham Awards next Monday, so we'll be revisiting those on next Sunday's podcast to deliver our final predicted winners. And then as soon as that's over, guys, it's a full sprint. We're off to NBR, New York Film Critics, Satellite Awards, and oh, God. the marathon shall begin. <laughs> Get some sleep. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, with that said, Michael Schwartz, where can I find you on the internet? As always, you can find me on Twitter at MikeMovie. Katie Schaefer,
1: you can find me on Twitter at kt underscore Schaefer.
3: Dan Bayer, you can find me on Twitter at and Dan on film. And the lovely Tom
4: O'Brien. Thank you. Uh, you can, I'm on Twitter as well at uh, Thomas E O'Brien.
2: And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to episode 117 of the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also now on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. Leave us a comment. We really, really appreciate that, and it helps for people to discover us. So Wouldn't that be nice if that more people could listen to us, if you enjoy listening to us? Don't you want other people to listen to us as well? So go on over to Apple Podcasts, leave a comment there. And if you're feeling very generous at that point, head on over to Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content from us. We just dropped reviews recently for Amadeus and Bridesmaids, two films that are trying to get us ready for The Favorite, which is dropping in theaters in a week's time, which I cannot wait for everyone here on the show to go out and see very, very soon. It's going to be a lot of fun over the next couple of weeks as november comes to a close thank you so much for listening as always we shall see you all next time